Well, when we decided back in April to do a summer sermon series on the book of Psalms, I chose to preach on one of my favorite passages of Scripture, which is Psalm 139. It's one of the most moving, beautiful, poetic parts of the entire Bible, especially the Hebrew Bible. My, my expectation when I chose it was that I would have just come back from what I had hoped would be a restful and uh, fruitful sabbatical this summer. Um, so I was really looking forward to spending some time with the psalm to sort of reflect on it and, and, and give me lots to say. Well, it has given me lots to say, actually, reflecting on this psalm, but not in the way that I was expecting back in April. So you'll hear why in a few minutes, but let us now listen to God's word to us from the book of Psalms, uh, selections from uh, Psalm 139. Listen now for God's word to you today. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You Discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For you created my inmost being or my inmost parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we pray that you'll grant us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts and minds to understand your word and your world this day as best we can, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've shared before uh, that one of the ways when I get really stressed out, one of the ways I deal with just being in a really stressful situation is I'll uh, go off somewhere by myself, I'll find a place and I will lie down either on a bed or on the ground or something like that, and I will just imagine myself floating on a river, a river that's warm and comforting, and, and it's always buoyant. I can't sink. I can only float. And so I float in this stream and just see where it takes me, and I just kind of meditate on my breath, and a spirit of peace and support comes over me. Well, that image reminds me of the words of Psalm 139. O Lord, you hem me in. You hold me tight. 
behind and before, up and down and all around, I come to an end. Yet I am still with you, always, as you are with me. In the Hebrew Bible, this psalm, like 73 other psalms in the book of Psalms, has a heading in Hebrew. It says, Lodoid, which means of David. And so a lot of people traditionally have thought it was written by David, although the phrase Lodoid can mean of David. It can also mean about David. It could be inspired by David. So we, we really don't know who wrote these words. In the, new t- in the, new t- I'm sorry, the new Revised Standard Version, or the, the English translation that I use, which is slightly different from the one that was used in the uh, bulletin today, in the New Revised Standard Version, there is also a subheading in English, not in the original Hebrew text, that says, the inescapable God. The inescapable God. And that captures, I think, the sort of intimate, everlasting, intense relationship that we have with a God who never lets us go. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. That's the first line of the the psalm. Now, the Hebrew for the word, English word, to know is yada, and it shows up seven more times with slightly different English translations in the psalm, yada. It also occurs 70 times in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. And there's a wide range of meanings to the word yada. For example, I know I'm skating on thin ice here maybe, maybe some of you have heard somebody use the phrase, well, I knew somebody, but not in the biblical sense, right? Okay, I'm glad I got a laugh there. It's a joke, right? But it also gets at one of the meanings of the word yada, or to know in Hebrew. It also, like when uh, in the book of Genesis, it says Adam knew Eve and she bore a son. Yada can mean sexual relations, an act of love that can create life. It can also refer to, the, to a really strong, intense bond of friendship, or it can just mean realizing a deep truth about yourself, or about the world, or about God, and the depth of God's knowledge, of God's passionate connection with all of us as human beings, starts even before our lives begin. You heard a lot of that imagery in the psalm, too, for as we hear It was you, O Lord, who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Um, Inward parts, in English, translates the Hebrew word kilia, which means, of all things, kidneys. The kidneys. Because, you know, long before the scientific study of anatomy, the ancient Jewish people saw that the kidneys were the seat of human emotions, energy, wisdom, and will. In fact, there's an old rabbinic story that the reason why we have two kidneys is because we have one kidney that's giving us good advice and another kidney that's giving us bad advice. (laughs) Kind of like the angels on the shoulders, but it's a whole different way of looking at things. So it's not the head or the heart, it's the kidneys. That's how close our connection is to God. 
in every fiber of our being, body, mind, and soul, in every thought we have, every action we take, the Lord is present. We can't escape. But you know, even as I say that, we can't escape. Maybe you pick up on another very different sense of what it means to be so close to God. Verse 5 says, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Now, depending on how you read that, it can sound really comforting until you realize that the Hebrew word for hem in, sartani, doesn't mean to cuddle. (laughs) It's not a warm embrace or a bear hug. It's the same word in Hebrew that gets used when a city is being besieged by an enemy. So, you surround me, God. You entrap me. You won't leave me alone. And when you hear that, you got to get a sense that Psalm 139 isn't just a sweet hymn of praise for God and God's eternal love. It's also a stark comment, even a lament, on what it is to be known fully by God. Because the truth is, none of us wants to be known entirely, all the time, not by God and not by anybody else. We always want to keep some part of ourselves to ourselves, whether out of a sense of shame or guilt or or just privacy. We want to be free even if we also want to be loved. And the writer of Psalm 139 gets at this by exclaiming, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And in that phrase, you get a sense of the, 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 the paradox in the divine human relationship. Because while it is a wonderful thing to be known by God, it can also be fearful. And that's a hard thing for the human mind to to grasp what it is to be thoroughly known by God, which leads the psalmist to exclaim in the end, how weighty are your thoughts, O God, how incomprehensibly vast. I come to an end, and yet I am always still with you. The great Jewish philosopher Martin Buber described our close connection to God in a poem years ago. It reads like this. Where I wander, you. When I ponder, you. Only you. You again. Always you. You, you, you. When I am gladdened, you. When I am saddened, you. Only you. You again, always you. Sky is you, earth is you. You above, you below. In every trend, at every end, only you. You again, always you. You, you, you. His most famous book was a book called I Thou that maybe some of you read in the 60s. Powerful words. 
And yet, and yet, if they're true, why is it that sometimes God can seem so far away from us? Right? Why, maybe in our time of greatest need, can we feel so all alone? To the extent that Jesus even cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Why? Well, honestly, I don't know. Nobody does. Not really. Most of what I know comes from reflecting on my own experience of feeling disconnected from God. Now, most of you probably know that my wife Margaret had a serious medical emergency three months ago. Uh, she had numerous blood clots in her lungs, and, and now she has a congestive heart failure. We still don't know why all this happened. But around midnight on June 2nd, I found my dear wife collapsed on the kitchen floor. She couldn't breathe. So I called the paramedics, and I'm glad we live in Piedmont because the paramedics showed up really quickly, and within a half an hour, they got her to the hospital, and that saved her life. She was in the hospital for a week and is now recovering at home. Uh, we're told it'll probably take at least six months, if not longer, before she gets back to anything like normal. Though I must say, some of you have asked how she's doing, she is feeling a little better the last couple of days, which is awesome because of a change in medication. And as a family, we um, really thank you so much for your continued prayers and support. What I want to reflect on today, in light of what I've already told you about Psalm 139, is how this ordeal with my wife's health has impacted my own relationship to God. I won't get into it all, of course. I mean, it's <laughs> private, <laughs> and it's ongoing, too. I just want to focus on one particular moment that really stands out to me. It was when the ambulance was going up Grand Avenue from our house towards Summit Hospital, and I was following alone in my car and naturally, at a time like that, I wanted to pray. But to my utter surprise, nothing. No words, no concepts, no sense of connection. Nothing came from me. And it totally threw me. Because like many of you, I've been in some very rough times in my life. And I always was able to come up with words to pray. They may have been rush, repetitive, or just plain gibberish, but I always had something to say to a God who I assumed was listening. But not this time. And I still don't know why. Though, as you might imagine, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. So let me share a little bit of what I've come up with in the hope that maybe it can 
touch your life and give you uh, some sense of what it is like when you can't connect to God, to a God who you know and trust and believe wants to be and is connected to you. First, be patient with yourself. Be patient. I can remember being in that car and, and being unable to pray and, and thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? Especially me as a pastor. Why can't I pray? Well, as a pastor who spent some time, my own times of crisis and with lots of other people in a time of crisis, I can tell you this. Don't despair when you can't come up with the words for prayer. First of all, the Bible itself is really clear on this. In Romans 8, Paul says that when we don't know how to pray, which assumes that Paul knows that there are times when we can't pray. When we don't know how to pray, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs or with groans too deep for words. Hold on to that. And it's also true that when something traumatic happens, any one of us, I mean, it's natural for us to experience a degree of shock. Your senses, your emotions can fluctuate dramatically. Normal things can seem surreal, words can fail, and yes, prayer can be hard. So be gentle with yourself when you're in a tough place emotionally. Feel what you feel, say what you can say, and don't say what you can't. I assure you that the God who knows you through and through is not worried in the slightest about your words. The second thing I've been thinking about after not being able to pray in the car is that maybe what I was experiencing was a bit of a disconnect between the God I'd been accustomed to praying to in a pinch and the God I am more and more coming to believe in. Some of you remember last, I guess it was January, when we had a class here at the church after uh, worship on Sunday morning on stages of faith. Now, a key point of that class, which was really good, and we're going to have the same uh, teacher come back in the winter this year too. The key point of that class was that just as we all go through stages of growth and change in the rest of our lives, our faith and our connection to God changes too. Doesn't mean God changes. It's how we understand God and relate to God. That can certainly and almost always does change as we grow, as we mature, as life happens. It's not necessarily better or worse, it's just different. But, at the same time all this change is going on, we do retain a residue in our consciousness of what we believed before, or how we understood God before. So for me, even I, as I have accumulated all sorts of life experience and had the opportunity to to really ponder things theologically and have my philosophy and all these things change in life, 
I still carry inside of me at least a little bit of what I learned about God when I was a child. That is, especially about prayer and about what happens when I pray for other people or for myself, which is called petitionary prayer. It starts with the idea that God can do absolutely anything he wants to do, but God also has decided to allow some bad things to happen in this world. We're not sure exactly why, although maybe it has something to do with free will. Even so, even so, even though God can do anything, there are times when God does step in to change a bad course of events most often in response to prayer. Sound familiar? So, if I pray hard enough, or I get enough people to pray, then somehow that's going to convince the Almighty to act decisively to heal or to save somebody like my wife. But I have to say that for a whole lot of reasons I'm not going to get into today, I no longer believe in a God like that, and really haven't for a long time. One who could intervene decisively in a crisis, but who chooses not to unless we ask. I mean, if a human being did that, you wouldn't love that person. I still ask God all the time for things in prayer, but what I'm doing is trying to align myself, my own heart, my own mind, my own spirit, with what God already wants. I then allow myself to be open to being shaped by the Spirit to tap into what God is already doing to promote love and justice and healing and and flourishing and well-being. And then I allow myself to, however I can, to cooperate in what God is doing. And that brings me to the third thing I've learned from my experience in the car, that while my understanding of God is changing, my practice of prayer hasn't quite caught up. It's developing too. In fact, I'm finding that while it's perfectly fine to use words in prayer, especially with and for other people, when I'm alone with God, words can get in the way. So I've embraced, as some of you know, a much more contemplative style of prayer. I spend a lot less time talking and a lot more time listening in silence. Because prayer doesn't have to be a sort of verbal transaction between me and God. It can be a quiet, cooperative endeavor. Kind of like a dance with the Holy Spirit connecting with my spirit and speaking through me with sighs too deep for words. In one of his many books on spirituality, Thomas Merton gets at this beautifully. He writes, It is a risky thing to pray, and the danger is that our wordy prayers can get between God and us. The great thing in prayer is not to pray, 
but to go directly to God. So if saying your prayers is an obstacle to prayer, cut it out. Let Jesus pray. Thank God Jesus is praying. Forget yourself. Enter into the prayer of Jesus. Let him pray in you. The best way to pray is stop. Let prayer pray within you, whether you know it or not. Not saying that verbal prayer is anything wrong with it. I'm just saying with Merton that sometimes it gets in the way, and what we need more than anything is to be quiet with God. You know, recently that's just what I've been doing, especially after Margaret's uh, episode. Uh, I've been trying to spend time listening to God, mainly by hiking in our beautiful East Bay parks. My favorite place to hike is uh, Sibley Volcanic Park in the Oakland Hills. There are even a couple of labyrinths there. Back to Dottie's prayer, she mentioned labyrinths. Labyrinths that people have created, have made in nature that are ways to uh, physically pray as you walk through the labyrinths. But mostly it's just being in nature itself, having the, the breeze just flow and touch my skin and seeing the birds circling and all of that. Reminds me of a story I heard years ago about a rabbi's son Every day he'd come home from school and he would do the same thing. He'd throw his backpack down on the kitchen table and he'd run out the back door and go off for like a half an hour into this wooded area behind the house. And then one day, his dad, the rabbi, got kind of concerned. He said, hey, so why do you spend every afternoon out there in the woods? Is there some kind of mischief going on out there? And the boy replied, Papa, don't worry. I go to the woods every day because it is my special place. It is the place where I can listen to God. Oh, said his father, visibly relieved. I'm glad to hear it. But you, the son of a rabbi, should already know that God is the same everywhere. Yes, Papa, said the boy. I know that God is the same everywhere. But I'm not. You know, life puts each and every one of us in some very surprising, even disturbing places. And in the midst of the turmoil, it can be really hard to connect to God, especially with words. So when you're in a place like that, be gentle with yourself. Know that with all the changes going on all around you and within you, your understanding of God might be changing too. And that can have a big impact on both your inclination and on your practice of prayer. So just be patient. Be open. Listen. And remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by one who knows you through and through and who promises to never let you go.
In Jesus' name, amen.